0: It's a pleasure to be here, an honor, and when I first started in ministry, Jessie was my keyboard player, and uh, she was only 12, I think, at the time, but uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, you're a good father. Your mercies are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. Lord, speak to us this morning. You're an awesome father. You've given us a task. To go and make disciples. And you've given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. So help us to run that race. Help us to finish the course. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, 41 years ago, I prayed a little prayer. And it went something like this. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and that I need to be forgiven. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the tomb. I receive you as my Savior, and I will serve you for the rest of my life as you give me the grace to do it. My life was changed. I had a, a, a new Heart, a new perspective, a new drive, a new desire. But it's been 41 years. I did that when I was five because you probably wonder how old I am. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it's been 41 glorious years, but I got to tell you, it's not been easy years because the Christian life is often difficult. And we fight against our flesh, we fight against the world's system, we fight against the devil, and it's, uh, it's hard at times. If you've been a believer for any amount of time, you'll realize that it's hard. There's a lot of things against you. And it reminds me of a story of the great pianist, uh, Pederewski. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but... Uh, uh, A lady wanted to encourage her son in playing the piano, like I did with Jesse. And so she took him to one of Paderewski's concerts. And so as the night came, they went up into their seats, and they found their seats were somewhat close uh, to the stage where they could see the great big Steinway piano. And uh, she hoped that her little eight-year-old or so son would be motivated to continue to play the piano. And so the lady, as she was sitting there, began to talk to somebody sitting next to her. And little did she realize is that her son had slipped out of his chair and was gone. And when 8 o'clock came and the concert was about to get started, the spotlights came on, and uh, as they looked up at the great Steinway piano, to her dismay, she saw her son sitting at the piano. And he was uh, uh, tinkling out, twinkle, twinkle, little Star." And needless to say, his mom was aghast. What is she going to do with her son up there? And just at that time, Paderewski came around and, uh, and reached one hand around the little boy and began to fill in Twinkle Twinkle Little Star with his left hand with the bass notes. And then he took his right hand and he took it around the boy engulfing him and began to play with his right hand and filled in the song. So from twinkle, twinkle, little star, from a little boy to the masterful hands of Paderewski came out a beautiful song, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Now that's what God does to us. He takes us where we are. He takes us with the skills that we have. He takes us when we pray that prayer and accept Him as our Savior. He doesn't leave us there, but He wraps His arms around us and He fills in all the notes of our lives and He makes it into a beautiful song. Now, that story is a picture of 2 Timothy. If you bring a Bible to church, I would encourage you to turn there, 2 Timothy. We're going to do a little jet tour. You know, I'm probably known around here as Jesse's dad. It used to be she was my daughter. But now uh, we've been coming three or so years or four years, and now uh, I am her dad. But I'm also known as uh, the joke teller at the greeting a door out by the gym and uh, so I tell the jokes and I came when I came this morning I found out that uh, man that, that name is hard to pronounce the the uh, guitar player Joshi Joshi that Joshi is from the corn the the corn belt or the corn fields of DeKalb and um, did you know that uh, what the prices or the cost is of an ear of corn on a pirate ship. Do you know? Buccaneers. Yes, a buccaneer. <laughs> now that's the kind of thing you get at the door when you when you walk in the door, and uh, so it is a privilege to be here. And we're at Second uh, Timothy. Uh, today we're going to do a little jet tour all the way through it. Second Timothy, Paul is in prison, and uh, he's a prisoner in Rome. He was facing certain death, so the time had come. Paul's going to be leaving this earth, and he has his young protege Timothy, and it's not really a. Uh, it's not really a swan song where Paul is giving up, oh, woe is me, but it's more a triumphant uh, victory march. Timothy could have been a little timid, we don't really know for sure. Maybe he lacked a little enthusiasm, maybe was a little short on courage, but Paul wants to encourage the young man, and I think that's what we need today. I think the church needs a little bit of encouragement. When they built the walls around Jerusalem with Nehemiah, it seemed like every 52 days that Nehemiah had to give them a word of encouragement. How often does the church need a little word of encouragement? And I think that's what Paul's given to them. Think about what would be the last thing you would tell your kids if you were on your deathbed and you were ready to go. What would you tell them? Well, it's interesting to me that Paul's main message in 2 Timothy is encouragement. He's telling him to endure. So I label 2 Timothy as an endurance manual. And Paul used this letter to instruct him in how to handle persecution from without, which we will begetting, persecution from without, and deception and dissension from within. Now, I, I look at the, the life of a Christian as a marathon. And, uh, and yet, at the same time, it is like a sprint because all of us have taken the baton from the generation before us. Isn't it amazing that the work of God goes on through people like us? And sometimes you look at us and you think, how is anything going to get done in the Lord's work? Look what God has to work with. But God takes the broken people in life and he wraps his arms around them and he makes us into a masterpiece. So you are a masterpiece in the hands of God. And so as we go on into this Christian life, and God's working in our lives, what we need is endurance. And so we get that baton from the generation before us, and we hand off the baton to the generation coming behind us. And that's been going on for 2,000 years, that the baton has been passed, and so Uh, There's a quote from uh, uh, Napoleon Hill, and he says that the strongest oak of the forest is not the one that is protected from the storm and hidden from the sun. It is the one that stands in the open where it is compelled to struggle for its existence against the winds and the rains and the scorching sun. That's that tree that's all alone, that's getting pounded by life. And that's what we are. We are oaks planted by streams of living water with God as our strength. Alistair Begg, that great Scottish pastor out of Ohio, said, Endurance is a key indicator of spiritual fitness. Endurance. You can tell a lot about a person by what it takes to cause them to give up or to discourage them. We are not of those who shrink back, Hebrews says, and are destroyed, but we are of those who believe and are saved. And so we enter into this marathon with the end goal. Don't you want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? Don't you want him to say, you finished the race, I completed the course. Jesus said that in John 17. He said, I finished the work that the Father gave me to do. I want to say that. I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So what does it take to discourage you? What does it take to make you give up Well, there's a lot of things even Jesus talked about, like in Matthew chapter 24. He said there's coming a day when many will fall away. Many are going to fall away. So even from the time of Jesus until the time today, many have fallen away. In the last days, there will be many who will fall away. He also says that there will rise up, Matthew chapter 24, verse 11, he says that many will rise up from within you. Rise up from within you as false teachers. And so even in the days today we find out you have to be careful what you listen to. You have to be careful just because somebody's on the radio doesn't mean that they teach good doctrine. And so we have to be men and women of the book. We have to be careful because the devil will try to deceive you. The Bible says that in the last days a great deception will come that if even possible to deceive the very elect. And then Matthew, the same passage, says that in the last days there's going to be lawlessness lawlessness will increase. You think we're living there today? Yeah, there's a lot of lawlessness going around. So there's going to be an apostasy. There's going to be a falling away. There's going to be deception. There is going to be lawlessness. As a matter of fact, the book of James says that we are to count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance the testing of your faith produces endurance so if you pray for patience you're going to get it because you're going to get trouble As Job says, man is short of days and full of trouble as the sparks fly upward. So you pray for patience, you're going to get difficulties, you're going to get problems, you're going to get trouble. But God uses that trouble to build endurance in your life. And we have need of endurance. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 3 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now that takes maturity, to rejoice in your sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. So we need endurance. You know, last month, uh, Debbie and I, my wife right here in the front, uh, that's a great support, isn't it? She sits right in the front there. And uh, we've been married 40 years last month. 40 years. That's a pretty good statistic, you know, today. 40 years. And I got to tell you, there has been time, thank you, thank you. I got to tell you that in the 40 years, there have been some sketchy times. You know, there's been times that I loved her more than she loved me. Hard to imagine, right? Hard to And then there's been times where she has loved me more than I have loved her. Fortunately, those days did not happen on the same day. So yes, we've had our difficulties at times. I wouldn't say a lot of them, but we've had some. And... uh, well, we've determined early on in our marriage that we wouldn't use the word divorce. Murder, maybe, but no divorce. <laughs> and so, in the hard times, we've just determined that we're going to make it, that we're in this That we're we're together. There's no threatening. There's no, you know, holding it against somebody. We never use that word. I cut it out of my dictionary at home. We just have determined that we're in this together and there's nothing that's going to come between us. We said that in our vows. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And I determined real early in my marriage that I, and I told her, I said, I will make all the major decisions in our home, and you can make all the rest. And we haven't had a major decision yet. (laughs) She's made them all. And so, yeah, we need endurance. We need endurance in our marriage we need endurance in our jobs we need endurance because God will use that in our lives the difficulties and the hardships to build endurance now I want to do a little jet tour uh, through the book of 2nd Timothy we're not going to pick any particular uh, passage to camp on but I want you to fall in love with 2nd Timothy And the reason I want you to fall in love with 2 Timothy, Timothy, as things get tough in your Christian life, Paul tells Timothy, his young protege, that he needs endurance. There's over 25 imperatives, which is a command in 2 Timothy. And not only is he encouraging him to endure, but he's telling him how to do it. And so out of all these commands that he gives him, he's wanting Timothy to take the things he's learned from Paul and to put it into practice in his life. And so that's the calling that we have, and we'll do a little jet tour through it. And so let me give you four, four points, one for each chapter with a little bit of subpoints underneath each one. And then I want you later in, in the afternoon or this week or something to just read through 2 Timothy and get a love for it and find out what is it going to take to discourage me? What's going to cause me to give up in my life? Whatever it might be, maybe it's your marriage. Well, number one, point number one, we endure because of our calling. We endure because of our... Calling. And so Paul's telling Timothy, starting in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I am sure dwells in you as well. We have a godly ancestry. There are brothers and sisters, saints of old, who have walked this road ahead of us. Doesn't the Bible say we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses? Now, I don't personally think that the people in heaven can see us. I don't think they're watching us. I think that great cloud of witnesses are those that have gone before us. I personally don't think it would be heaven if everybody up there could see all the grief down here. All the things that we're doing, all the things that we're going through, I personally don't think that would be heaven. I don't think that they could see us. I think these great cloud of witnesses are people that have gone before us in the faith. And so he says there that this great crowd of witnesses have led this Christian life ahead of us. For Timothy, it was his grandmother and his mother, and is now him. But think about the saints that have gone before us. They handed that baton over to us, and we're going to hand that baton over to somebody else. And what's that baton going to look like to you? Is it going to be a life of faithfulness? Is it going to be a life of of commitment? Is it going to be a life of holiness is it going to be a life of running that race and finishing the course yeah because people are watching us our neighbors are watching us our grandchildren are watching us other believers are watching us and we're handing off a baton To them. So we should endure because our calling that we have a godly ancestry. But also, he talks about our salvation. We have a a gift, he says, fan into flame this gift of God which is in you through the laying on of our hands. And so, yes, we have a godly ancestry we also have a sincere faith and we are to fan into flame the gift you know you've been given a gift everybody you probably don't remember the movie but everybody is a 10 everybody is a 10 in some area now we don't have to be a 10 in the same area you don't want me singing up here i promise i used to wish i could sing now everybody else wishes I could sing. Just s- sing next to me. And so everybody's been given a gift. Give. Joshi, man, that's great. I love the worship team. We've got a great worship team, you know. We've got a great sound tech team. And, and welcome to everybody who's watching online. I was amazed at how they do that in the back. But that's gifted. He's, he's been given some ability. Jack back there. And so everybody's been given a gift. You have been given a gift. And just as Timothy was given a gift, you need to fan into flames that gift. You know what I found? Most people don't even know what their gift is. But you need to find out what it is. And you need to use it. So we endure because of our calling, our ancestry, our salvation, our gifting, But we all should also should endure to demonstrate our own genuineness. You know that word genuine. To be genuine means to display what you really are. It shows the truth of who you are. So, for instance, James says that when we're tested, it will prove our genuineness. So God uses testings to encourage us and bless us to show that we're genuinely Christians. God doesn't waste a hurt. God uses them in our lives. He says uh, that in chapter 2, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So one of our responsibilities is to be disciples. Is to make disciples. And so notice the pattern here. It's this handing over the torch. Entrust the things that you have heard from me. So Paul is telling Timothy, you have heard things from me. So now it's Paul given to Timothy and he tells Timothy, entrust to faithful men, so hand that torch off to somebody else, who will be able to teach others also. He's handling the torch on again. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to hand the Christian torch off to faithful people who will be able to pass it on to faithful people. So how can we quit? We have a great responsibility that we're to give this this torch, this mantle, over to others. And I know one of the things that cause us to quit is suffering. Nobody likes suffering, right? I don't like suffering. And usually the first thing when suffering comes is I want to get out of it. But God uses suffering. As a matter of fact, he says in verse 3, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who entrusted him. So in our genuineness of, of being Christians, we are going to experience suffering. Anyone who lives godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution if you 're not experiencing any persecution you have to ask yourself the question am I, am I living godly in Christ Jesus but there's also not only the genuineness of our responsibilities and the genuineness of our suffering but there's also the genuineness of our inheritance we have been given and inheritance. Verse 14 remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Do your best do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth but avoid irreverent babble for it. it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Down in verse 19, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And so we have to endure because of the genuineness of our faith. But we also have to endure because of what's coming. I don't know your eschatology. I don't know your position on the last days. But the Bible says in chapter 3, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come difficult times or times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. You know, I think that's the biggest problem in marriage. Some say communication. But I think the biggest problem in marriage is selfishness. Is that something happens in there. when You know when you're, you're first dating, you know, you'll talk to each other on the phone. And you can talk on the phone for hours. You know, even if you don't say anything. You just kind of s- sit there. I never was a real phone talker. So if I didn't have something to say, then uh, I'll see you later. I had a hard time just standing on the phone with nothing to say. But people that are in love sometimes will just stand, on, sit on the phone and just, just in silence knowing that that other person is on the other end. But what happens... You know when we started it's I will serve you, yeah, I'll do everything you you I love you so much that I'm going to serve you all of my life but something happens along there the way where we become selfish. Now it's what this other person is doing for me. And if they're not doing enough for me, then I get a little resentful, a little needy. And so Paul is telling Timothy, that there's going to be in the last days difficult times. They're going to be lovers of money. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. So kids, if you're being disobedient to, to your parents more and more, you are fulfilling prophecy. Stop it. Obey your parents. You know, that's the first commandment with a promise. Children, obey your parents that it may go well with you. That you may live long upon the earth. So it is a good commandment to obey your parents. Amen, parents? Amen, kids? Not a one! Not a one! Well, we need a little more teaching on kids, obey your parents. They're going to be, and there's a lot of anger. Uh, disobedient to your parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, I think there's 17 listed here, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Take those one at a time and you will see how prevalent they are today. You know, after college, and marriage. I went to college late in life, but after college and marriage, I found it easy to put on weight. Right? I got furniture disease. My chest fell into my drawers. <laughs> take a little bit to get that. But afterwards, uh, I became committed to working hard to take the sag out of my sagging waistline. Day after day, I worked hard on cardiovascular, by the way, I just had a heart attack four months ago, and when you're laying in there, a quadruple bypass, and when you're laying in that hospital bed, you start wondering, is this, should I have that discussion with my kids, you know, you see how, how short life is, it's like a vapor, it's here and then it's gone, and you just never know what a difference a day makes. So, day after day, I worked hard on cardiovascular exercise, weight training, and I seemed to get nowhere. I was straining, I was sweating, sucking wind. I started to question my sanity. But then, after several months, it was as though a quantum leap occurred. Weight began to drop off, muscle began to get toned, endurance increased significantly. Medical friends tell me that during the constancy of working out, regardless of how I felt, a whole new freeway system of small blood vessels and capillaries was forming within my body. You know, in my heart attack, they said I was 100% blocked. And they said that fortunately other vessels had grown and were enabling the blood to flow through. So we have to realize that as we're growing that we need new flow. And more blood began flowing into the muscle tissue and the resulting benefits seemed exponential. You know, we don't realize How fat we've gotten. You know, you look in the mirror and it's the same person It seems to grow a little bit every month or every day and you don't really pay attention to it. And I had a guy, a friend of mine from high school, invite me out to breakfast and he said, "Uh, this is is painful to hear some of these things, you know. And he said to me, yeah, Bob, I heard that you had gotten fat. (laughs) Man, I, I wanted to tell him, tell me like it really is. Tell me how you really feel, you know. And uh, I think God uses those things to get our attention, right? Okay, power, is time to get in, in a little better shape. And I think when we're walking through the depths of trial, God is building up a secondary support system of endurance that we might be even more prepared for the next time adver- adversity comes in our way. And you know what? That's why we need the church. The devil wants to discourage you and get you away from the church. But the church is part of our support system. We need each other. But I better keep going. And lastly, we need to endure because many will fall away. Many are going to fall away. And this is really part of the heart of, I think, 2 Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God, verse 1, and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, and complete patience in teaching. With complete patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves Teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Paul says for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Wow isn't that great to be able to say? I hope you could say that. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Are you ready for the Lord to come today? If he was to come today, are you ready for that? If he came today, what would he find in your life. Are you running the race? Are you being faithful? Are you trying the best you can to live a holy life? Let me close with this. I don't know if you've ever heard of Sir Ernest Shackleton. Sir Ernest Shackleton did a daring expedition to cross the Antarctic. And it's captured in the film Endurance. In December of 1914, Shackleton and his 27-member crew aboard the ship Endurance entered the ice fields of Weddell Sea, navigating through dangerous packed ice. With only a hundred miles left in the journey, Shackleton made the fateful Decision to stop and wait for a break in the heavy ice. The temperature dropped and the ice closed in around the ship, making it impossible to proceed. Can you show that picture up there? Shackleton's Shackelford's ship. Gradually, or for t- the, the ship was trapped there, and the crew would live aboard the ship for the next ten months. Gradually, the ship succumbed to the crushing grip of the ice, and Shackleton gave the order to abandon ship. The crew began a march in search of safety, carrying minimal supplies and dragging three lifeboats Eventually reaching open water, they boarded the lifeboats and sailed off in an attempt to find land. Surviving the perilous conditions, they finally landed on a deserted elephant island. They were stranded on the island, and Shackelford and a few that were with him stood out and started out in search for help. They finally found their way there and one of the things Shackleton said, Shackleford said, was didn't you feel that through that time together it felt like there was somebody there with us? It's like Daniel in the lion's den. When we go through, or Daniel in the The fiery furnace with his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Through the hard times in our life, we feel like we're all alone. It's there that God picks us up and carries us. It's there that God's presence goes with us. It's there that God is reaching his arms around us and he's saying, Keep playing. Keep playing. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep playing. Don't quit. And I want to tell you today, keep running. Keep running the race. Don't quit. The master will put his arms around you and he will see you past the finish line. Well done, good and faithful servants. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's the first step. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Start that journey by receiving Christ as your Savior. I prayed a little prayer when something like this. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the tomb. I receive you as my Savior and I will serve you for the rest of my life as you give me the grace to do it. Maybe today's the accepted time for you. Maybe you want to pray that prayer. It's not a prayer that saves you. Jesus saves you. But the way we talk to God is through prayer. And it's just talking to him. Maybe today you'd want to pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the tomb. I receive you as my Savior and I will serve you for the rest of my life as you give me the grace to do it. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, you have the Son of God living within you. You have life. And he says if we don't confess him before men, he won't confess us before the Father. I would encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe your small group leader. Come tell me. Tell somebody sitting next to you. It's a free gift. Isn't that incredible? We don't do anything to earn it. Nobody deserves it. It's a gift that God gives to us. Today is the day of salvation. Father, thank you for your word. How incredible is your word. Thank you for your church. How incredible is your church. Thank you for sending your son. How incredible is your son. And Father, help us to run that race that's marked out for us. Fill us with your Spirit. Help us to be Jesus to somebody this week to reflect you to them. We know salvation's of the Lord. We don't do anything other than be the witness. And so help us to be a witness to somebody. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.